Good evening, everybody. It's Friday, February 25th. Welcome to another live stream of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Eric Jackman, with my twin brother, Mike. And we are so psyched tonight to have our friend of, I think, 15, 16 years at this point, uh, fellow truth seeker, independent journalist and media, and just all around a great guy, Jason Burmis. Jason, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. And it's always a pleasure uh, to kind of sit back and talk with you fellas because we have known each other for a very, very long time. And although um, the world can seem uh, like a very dark place and continues to seem like a very dark place and there are dark things in my feed constantly, especially uh, right now <laughs> with, with the global situation, uh, it's always nice to be able to smile, to laugh about things, to make human interactions possible. And I can't believe how long it's been um, since I saw you guys in person on my little summer jer uh, journey where we went to the uh, Tucked Away, the Blaine Maxwell uh, residence. And, you know, I, it's funny because one of the videos uh, that just recently got taken down in the latest uh, YouTube purge, uh, for those that don't know, I got my second strike eight times in the last 48 hours Jesus. so they're nice enough to leave me on the platform because they know how absurd it is but they also know that i can't possibly challenge all these because i'd have to spend an entire day just watching them all right <laughs> like that's how many they took down but one they took down was me basically agreeing with lewis farrakhan while i was on the road and in the comments this guy's battling with me telling me that Ghislaine maxwell basically hasn't been arrested and, you know, we we haven't seen the mugshot. And of course, these were absurdities uh, that were echoed throughout, even during the trial. And it's funny. So I, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to the person. I go, I assure you, she's been arrested. And at the very least, I go, we will get the courthouse drawings of the trial as it happens. And yes, that's what we got. Um, but I would say this. Uh, we did have independent journalists down in New York City, much needed independent journalists and people like, uh, Kristan T. Harris. And of course, Addie adds confirmed without a doubt that she was definitely at that hearing. Yeah, Addie's <laughs> awesome. I think I'm going to be meeting him in New York, uh, in D.C. next week. Oh, you're going? going? Yeah, I'm going to D.C. for the uh, the Roger Waters confab. Interesting. And, I, didn't, uh, I didn't realize that Roger Waters was going to be there. Is this uh, have something to do with Assange? Uh, this is the like American Israel Relations Committee or or uh, event okay and, um it's it's you know talk talks about basically it's the counter apac gathering interesting where's um, that being held in dc the national press club oh it's gonna be okay so is he uh along with others just speaking there is there going to be an event afterwards or what are we i think he's just going uh to cover it and be there i don't know all the details yet but um and I'm, i might not actually even be going into the conference because i think they might still be uh vax cocked i'm not sure that's a good but. point. You know, uh, well, I, I'll be honest, you know, I haven't flown through this entire time. I've now refused to even wear a mask. I will not take a test. Uh, I refuse to take a test throughout all of this. And there's no way that you're going to get me to circumvent um, those things anymore, especially uh, now that COVID-1984 in a lot of respects is winding down. Even the most brainwashed amongst these people are starting to realize they've been had nobody likes that feeling no one likes to feel like they've been taken advantage of i understand that but even uh they're coming around and i've also thought about possibly coming in uh for the trucker convoy in dc um but at the same time you know are am i going to be 
pulled over on the streets for not having a mask in D.C. You, you never know. It's not like they're fighting real crime there. You know. <laughs> well, it looks like they're calming things down with that at establishments and stuff. Because my sister's down there. You know, I'm going to be seeing her when I visit and stuff. So, um, but I'm just planning on going down there to hang out. And you know, my friend Reed Coverdale, you've been on his show, The Naturalist Capitalist. He's flying in from Utah too. So we're going to get together in person and hang out. And uh, Ryan Dawson's coming over from Japan. The uh, you know we promoters have been trying to get the MMA fight together of Dawson versus Burmis. <laughs> You know, live pay-per-view. We haven't been able to put it together yet, but, you know, the people, the people are calling for it, Burmis. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're calling for it. But as you know, um, you know, it, it, it's not that I, I won't take on my detractors. It just seems like the, uh, the same talking point has been utilized in that one for well over a decade. I've addressed it how many times, and I'm still attacked mercilessly. Um, for the Pentagon, for some reason, doesn't matter. You know what I've done in the last 14, 15 years. Doesn't matter what I did in 2007. You know, actually going to D.C. and interviewing Bob Pugh and getting April Gallup and talking to the Shinky Brothers. I mean, I could continue, but what are you going to do with that, man? I, I mean, for me, I know who I am and uh, what I want to be a part of, and uh, you know what kind of information I think is valid. And you know me, I yeah. A lot of time attacking others. Well, and that's just it, Burmis. And, and uh, a lot of our audience and a few of those guests we've had on, like um, Adam Fitzgerald and Ryan Dawson, they're, they always bring up Shanksville. And, you know, they've done some great research uh, into Shanksville, you know, so have you. But I think it's, it's for me, if we have a disagreement about something, we can talk about it without having to attack each other. And that's what I try to always tell those guys because. No, and know, absolutely. I, and I think that, you know, especially, you know, Reed brought up a ton of the. Adam Fitzgerald talking points with Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And, you know, quite frankly, when it came down to it, the talking point that they kept trying to nail me on was trying to compare a plane crash into a mountainside at eight miles elevation where, you know, people on the scene basically said they saw no evidence of a plane crash and that's somehow coinciding what happened with Shanksville. They're not the same thing in the very, at any level, they're not the same thing. Was that the one that was a deliberate crash? Um, yeah, they brought up that crash where, um, you know, they blamed it on a gentleman who supposedly had mental issues, who uh, worked for the airlines. And the really weird thing about that one was that it had a lot of high powered CEOs on the plane. And after that, they actually made it a law that so many different high powered CEOs from a company couldn't be on the same plane together in case an emergency like that ever happened, where basically they were decapitated at a massive level. Um, obviously, I have not spent nearly the same amount of time looking into that plane crash as I have the other one. Um, but I think that the stark differential is that you're talking about what is supposedly a plane crash in an open field in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. an open field, nowhere else to go. And then you're talking about a plane crash at eight miles into a mountainside at elevation where we can't imagine the winds, the other structures there. We're not talking about a field that's, you know, we know it's topsoil and dirt, right? We're talking about a mountain, <laughs> okay, which is much different. So, you know, that comparison to me seems to be disingenuous. And and that is really the main argument that these people keep going back to. Uh, even I was surprised on the 20th anniversary to see, um, I believe is Wally Miner is his name. And that would be the original um, uh, person who did the autopsies, the mortician. Oh, that quarter, was Wally Miller. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. And uh, 
he he did a local news piece where he talked about it again, saying, you know, there were no bodies there. And he was also talking about the plastic this time <clears throat> melting uh, from the trees. But, you know, that was a big controversy when uh, he had said that we took him out of uh, context. And mm -hmm. then he's there 20 years later, basically saying the same things we said. We didn't take him out of context. And that also led me to um, the FBI field officers who were the first on the scene as well. And a piece that they put out, I believe, on the 15th anniversary of 9-11 that I had not seen that was out in 2016. And every single one of them echoed the fact that when they got there, there was no evidence a plane had crashed there. Now, that just seems odd to me. You know, and then they made that same excuse that it had been buried and burrowed into the topsoil, you know, and, and again, that just just that doesn't jive with me. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, 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 you're not going to see like whole bodies, you know, I think in an instance like that, if a plane's going between what do they say, like 530 and 580 miles an hour. Um, I think what they said they found were nothing bigger than like a piece of a, a back, like a human backbone. Like nothing well, bigger that's, than that. that's the excavation after the fact, right? Right. Uh, and, um, you know, that's a whole nother issue. I'm just talking about the people that got there on the scene and there's no wing. There's no engines. There's no parts of parts of a fuselage. And I know that there, there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, a lot of those uh, pilots are trying to save those planes. And this was just a death dive. I don't buy that for a second. And and. By the way, I don't think it's necessarily uh, detrimental to the case against the hijackers whatsoever, because I think that you have a varying network. I think they didn't tell the truth about the hijackers in general. I think the James Woods testimony overall really confirms that. I mean, when you have a Hollywood star on Flight 11, apparently, literally in August, just before the attacks, we're talking weeks before the attacks, and I believe it's uh, Nawaf. Al Hamzi and uh, Khalid Al Madar, I believe, is the other uh, hijacker out of the four that he can name and identifies prior to that. And remember, Khalid Al Madar shouldn't have have been in that same network, and he was the one who was supposedly responsible for Flight seventy seven. So, you know, I, I don't think we've scratched the surface as to what is quote unquote true, a true narrative. Uh, on 9-11, on those micro scales, I think on a macro scale, yeah. um, the international intelligence operation is very, very apparent. Role players in Pakistan, role players in Israel, role players in Saudi Arabia, and of course, the United States and the military industrial complex in conjunction with the media. You know, that that's the bottom line. And uh, now more than ever, I think that people are ready to swallow a global collusion narrative by the media because they've seen it in this COVID-1984 nightmare. And how ironic is it? This is a story out today, and one that I highlighted a bit, um, was that Spike Lee had a large section in his 20th anniversary 9-11 series on HBO about, quote-unquote, the controlled demolitions of the towers and 9-11 truth. And the controversy really didn't start until the series started rolling on television, if you noticed. There were some murmurs here, and oh, what's he going to do? And oh, he did the Katrina thing, and he asked whether or not the levees had been bombed, and he spoke about 9-11 truth here and there. All of a sudden, there were interviews put out there that Spike Lee was put in a negative light for daring to question 9-11. They immediately edited that section out 
just before it aired, and everybody assumed that Spike <laughs> bent the knee and he took it out. Well, Spike Lee was interviewed, I believe it was by the Washington. Uh, it's either the Post or the, the Post. Times. I saw that. It was the Washington Post. Washington yeah. Post. And they asked him about it. And he says, first of all, he comes in and says, look, just because something's been debunked doesn't mean it's not true. Really? Oh, I thought in the land of COVID-1984, once the experts and fact checkers came out, everything was true. Duh. And again, 9-11 was really the precursor. They didn't call it fact check. They called it debunked. It's debunked. Debunkathon. And he, he brings up, obviously, the Warren Commission and JFK. And I would even uh, spotlight that uh, recently, within the last month or so, uh, Car Tucker Carlson, when talking about uh, the things being hidden during COVID-1984, that JFK, and then he said 9-11, we still can't get all this information on. Maybe he's finally coming around, and uh, we'll do some hard-hitting news on that. But he said, basically, I wasn't given a choice. I had no choice. And what does that mean? I mean? It probably means to me that, especially in this era, you sign a contract and now you're act absolutely giving final cut, final cut to the Leviathan that financially sponsored it. Now, I mean, as a director, I don't know how he could live with himself for that. But again, because it's a documentary, it's not Hollywood, it's not a, a, um, a racial issue or an identity politics issue, they get away with it. And how ironic is it that it was easier to get information that was truthful and then would be declared debunked by the mainstream media 15 or 20 years ago about 9-11 than it is in 2021. That oh, should cool. alarm people. And it should also, you know, warn them that the validity of the 9-11 truth information, although there was a slew of disinfo in, in there, okay, is absolutely valid, must be looked at. And because we allowed that operation to take place without the proper pushback, we are where we are now. That's the truth. Yeah, because especially the last couple of years with uh, the, the control over all the narratives that they have, if you even bring up 9-11 or JFK, they're just like, oh, you're, you're into QAnon. And they've done a great job at, at getting everyone, you know, kind of shoehorned into, into, uh, into that area. But yeah, basically, you know, it, it Spike Lee didn't say direct directly, but uh, it, it could have been HBO that said that or whoever the findings were. And they asked were. HBO and he basically, he didn't want to answer that question either. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the question <laughs> is, was it really, I mean, look, I'll, I'll give HBO credit where credit is due. You know, I'm not in love with Bill Maher, but they've never censored Bill Maher. You know, I, I truly believe that when Bill Maher says something, he, he kind of believes it. You know, he's, he's never been pretty good lately, especially about uh, COVID-1984. I got to say, man, his last few shows have been really good. Well, you know what? Again, it, it's that thing there. You, you wanted to you wanted to believe that you were on team humanity and team care about everybody else. And we're going to get in through this together. And, you know, they never lie to us about something on this scale. And I'm sorry. I live in the fucking real world, man. No, they would. And they do. And, you know, just with the news this week where Moderna has a patent from February 4th, 2016, where it has the furin cleavage sites, okay, of this COVID-1984 virus. So, again, not the same thing, but something created in a lab. Wow. 
You mean it didn't it, it didn't get pooped out by a bat and a pangolin having an orgy with a koala bear? I thought that's I thought that's how this whole thing started, you know? So you've got that evidence. And as somebody who from the very beginning said it was 99.9% sure that this came out of a, a laboratory in one way or another. And you know I'm not Leaky McGee either. Sorry, I'm Reality Pants McGraw. Not Leaky McGee, Reality Pants McGraw. So I said that from the beginning. And then I also said as soon as the, the Wuhan thing or the military games thing started gaining traction, I go, you know, I don't like this because Wuhan Laboratory, that doesn't, that doesn't jive with me. If China's got it, we've got it. And sure as shit, as, as the months progress, oh, EcoHealth's involved. Oh, Moderna partnered with DARPA in 2013? I mean, if you've got a Moderna patent on a messenger RNA-type virus, <laughs> okay, that is producing a spike protein and has these same injection sites, that's a patent on a biological weapon that you developed with the Defense Department. Let's grow up. Yeah, they were, and, they were messing you know, with that shit for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> Fauci, I mean, Rand has got Fauci dead to nuts, man. When the, the testimony, when Rand's like, well, we need to talk about the gain of function. When you talk about what happened in Wuhan, uh, your connections to the financials, and you've never answered that, Dr. Fauci. And I think, Jason, some people are calling for Dr. Fauci to be jailed, but at the very least, he should be made to compete in the Hunger Games. <laughs> we can all listen here's the thing you know i don't want to see these people um treated unfairly but they are war criminals okay and i know there are some people that sit here and go oh we need them to swing high from the trees and isn't that no what we need is for all of their crimes to be exposed in a manner where hey we have the source documents it's not just spin it's like everybody gets an email with the source documents. It, the doesn't, documents. it doesn't come with Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Either side. you get Everybody gets the email. Hey, the trial's starting. Here's the source documents we're going to be using to prosecute these people. And if you'd like, you can actually tune into the prosecution of this trial 24-7 as we're doing it. And you don't have to get all the punditry. You figure it out. And then I would very much advise even though that these people are treasonous and have committed crimes against humanity, that we pull some kind of a death penalty on them. Why bother? Why would we want to do that? Supermax prisons, okay, 24-7 surveillance everywhere. So there's no Epsteining or Jean-Luc Brunelling or anything like that. Mm. And, and the, you know, the cherry on top of the sundae with delicious whipped cream and hot fudge is that at any moment you get to pick what camera in the Supermax prison you would like to tune into. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's 2 a.m. on a Monday. You're not getting the sleep you want. You know, you're like, you know what? That's Nick and Nick and Nick and do. Oh, look. Oh, look. It's John Kerry sobbing <laughs> again and again and again because he had the nerve to try to control humanity through carbon credits while he flies on private jets and married into the Heinz family. Like, fuck that guy. I mean, like, seriously, like, hey, there's another Pennsylvania plane crash, right? Didn't Teresa Heinz's husband die? Wasn't he a senator? Didn't he die? Yeah, in a plane John crash? Hines. John Heinz. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jason, I, I did. I wanted. I, that's another reason I wanted to talk to you tonight. Of course, this is before all the Ukraine bullshit and Putin attacking Ukraine. But um, Jean Luc Brunel is now. We're not even going to hear about it anymore. When when it happened, it was huge. And my phone blew up that morning, Jason. And I know yours, yours did too. But I, I got to believe your reaction was the same exact as mine. I was half asleep and I laughed uncontrollably. No. I, so we had a very different reaction to that. So you can I, understand my reaction, though, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I actually had somebody up over the weekend, and uh, and I actually had my brother coming in at the tail end of the weekend too from New York. So I, that's why I've been producing a lot of content. But the one video I did on YouTube uh, before getting suspended again, and by the way, two of the videos they took down are Epstein videos. I do want to point that out. And they went, in fact. Really, the, even the Green Pass one, I believe, has some uh, Epstein in there. But, yep, you uh, Epstein disinfo, does Ghislaine have the tapes? That was me disproving that Ghislaine Maxwell had the magic tapes that were going to, well, the deep state's going down. Q nonsense is everywhere. I mean, that's a pre, you know, you know, Q, Q Tartington going out. I think that's like two-plus two years ago. And then Epstein cover-up, can it go viral? Um, you know, what needs to be understood about what will happen? Those are done. Those are cyberbullying and harassment. I was at a, I, I took my brother to this little crypto meeting. Um, and, and there's a couple of groups here in Iowa that I've actually hooked into that are pretty awake and aware. Um, there's a more conservative group that meets every couple of, of weeks and is just kind of involved with the community. And then there's a crypto group in trying to invest or whatever. So I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of talking about Brunel hanging himself this, uh, this week. And the guy goes, oh, he didn't do that. And I go, I'm not talking about Epstein. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, Jean-Luc Brunel, you know, MC2, one of these model agency guys that was heavily involved with both Maxwell and Epstein wearing Israeli army hats. I mean, you name it. <laughs> In the little top hat, like the British royalty are, you know, just like total scum of the earth. And the one thing that you can get I mean, if you read the articles, guys, and I'll tell you what my reaction was when it was when I saw it, the articles are absolutely ridiculous. Number one, they make the prison criminally culpable for his death out of the gates by saying Brunel had tried to commit suicide several times earlier this month. What? <laughs> what? Oh, he's not on suicide watch, but we're talking several. Now, what is several? Several's not one. Several's not a couple. Okay, several is three bare fucking minimum. <laughs> okay? And then through not a human being, not somebody who worked there, but from the office of, like, the international wardens or something, basically the PR group that speaks for the wardens, their quote on this read something to this effect. What we do know for sure is that Brunel was alone in that cell at the time of his death. <laughs> so the one sentence they put out through like a union representative, if we know one thing for sure, it's he was alone in that cell at the time of his death. And the damn camera wasn't working either, Burmis. What's up with that? And the cameras weren't working again. So this was my response. I hadn't done much. My friend was in the other room. I was scrolling through my little phone ski and hutch. Finally saw one of those, and it was, holy fucking shit! <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! And then came the, 
hey, are you okay? I'm like, I can't fucking believe this shit. <laughs> and excuse me for my sailor-like mouth, but those are literally the words that came out of my mouth. Because, you know, if you had seen um, me on UK Talk Radio, on the two times they had me there, I brought up the Jean-Luc Brunel case. I brought up the Peter Nygaard case. Right. I brought up the fact there was more criminal um, cases involving not only Ghislaine Maxwell, but you had the civil cases going on with Virginia Gouffre Roberts outside of what was going on with Andrew. Because they were all, oh, will Andrew go to jail? And what did I say? No. Nope. <laughs> I said, no, I don't show are you involved in, dude. I go, I go, at most, I go, I hope more information comes out via the trial. And I hope that, um, you know, he has to pay some financial compensation. We didn't even get to any information coming out of the trial. And, and quite frankly, I didn't know that there would be too much new information. I was just hoping there would be more focus on Zorro Ranch, on Bill Richardson, on the Dubins, et cetera, because right. that's already out there. And uh, my good friend, Big Fish over on Twitter, he just posted, today because again you still have a lot of these lawsuits going on andrew was just one virginia gaffrey roberts was involved in uh dershowitz dershowitz yeah dershowitz uh you have the wexner one and apparently dershowitz got something like uh what is it 500 or 5000 i don't want to misquote i'm gonna go look right now but harvard emails and we know that jeffrey epstein had his own little office at harvard so yes it is in fact uh, 5,000 Harvard emails. You can get the uh, documents right here. Gaffrey uh, Dershowitz. Okay. And these were uh, filed on the 23rd. So uh, this is rather new information. Uh, there is uh, some of the things. The parties shall inform the court by letter no later than Friday, March 4th of the status. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, the criminal case against Nygaard, uh, the next hearing, which will be taking place, I believe, in Toronto, is in March as well. Wow, so big stuff coming up. That I well, he's going to uh, live forever or die trying, right? I mean, he's <laughs> I mean, going to live forever or die trying. And uh, this is this, this fountain of youth. I mean, that's what these people believe. That's that's kind of that gives you a little glimpse into what you know someone who's a billionaire at that level. So when these uh, people <laughs> tell you who they are, listen, believe them. <laughs> believe me, believe yeah. me. Well, that's the thing. I get asked this a lot too, Jason, and you mentioned it with Galen. Uh, where are all the tapes? She's going to put the tapes out and has leverage and she's going to walk out of prison. And it's like these tapes, I don't know that they physically exist. You know, it's, it's oh, that. Hold on. Let's stop. Well, the, the FBI Let's... had the stuff from the safe and whatever happened to the binders and all the stuff in the safe and the all the passports and everything that they found in New York. That, that's just a New York bust. Listen, that's how brazen these people are. They literally during the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, entered into evidence, photographs of evidence that they didn't enter into evidence. <laughs> Let me repeat right. that again. They had pictures of the binders, and then they blacked out whatever was on the side, like just the words that were on the sides of the binders. They took pictures of the burned cds dvds right, and hard drives in stacks and submitted that into evidence they took pictures of the safe that they sawed open and found more <laughs> photographs videos wow jewelry and a passport with a different identity and a saudi arabian address they put all of that into evidence 
and and said, there you go. And they put none of the actual things that were photographed and the evidence in them in as evidence. That is the equivalent, okay, of you turning around to somebody and saying, hey, uh, hey, hey, you're not going to shove that pineapple up my ass. And they're like, no. And instead they shove a truck up your ass. Like, that's how fucked it is, man. Like, they're showing you it's all there. Oh, what's this? Yeah, you know, no, you know what I'm sure it was on there? PowerPoint presentations about uh, about the Clinton initiative. <laughs> Hell, that could have been there too. That's right. It could have been, been PowerPoint presentations on the Clinton initiative. Bill Gates and them hanging out all the time at dinner parties. I mean, God knows what was actually on that stuff. And, and to think that none of it would be criminally culpable or evidentiary is absurd. Oh, I'm yeah, we we leave the really non-valuable stuff in the safe. <laughs> That's what we do. Right. And they never even raided Zorro Ranch. So it's like you know, it, they, they sent the cleanup crew there probably because that was where the Clintons really like staying. They had their own little uh little western style saloon town out there. And you know, it's it, it looks something out of like an upstate Westworld. Westworld. <laughs> yeah. It, it's exactly like it's it's nuts. Like the first of all. You look at the terrain there and the fact that they have a helipad and the fact that it came out, they had a baby making ranch and the fact that Nygaard was having stem cells of aborted fetuses he created <laughs> by banging models injected into him on his journey oh, to dark. try to that's live dark. forever. And you're like, what are the limits? There aren't any for these people. There were never any. It's never been addressed. That uh, Maria Farmer discussed that the New York building alone was manned 24-7 by people not only taping these things, hitting the record, but watching them. Come on. We couldn't track down one person who worked in that room, not one. I guess you can't track them down when Leslie Wexner gives you the mansion for a dollar. You, you know what I did with a dollar today, guys? I went on the machine while we were waiting for my niece's boba tea and tried to win me a switch. I lost. <laughs> I lost a little trinket game. I didn't get a, you know, James Bond style Manhattan mansion worth tens of millions of dollars. That's what I didn't get. Then again, I'm not trafficking in little children and technology, you know, just not right. me. So, so what dies with Jean-Luc Brunel, Jason, um, you know, the ability, he clearly would have rolled on some more people. Well, I don't even know if it's even the rolling. I think it's the more exposure of the operations, especially utilizing models and young girls. The three 12-year-olds. Uh, well, you want to keep that fantasy that, you know, I'm going to be a model on the runway and I'm going to be a princess and all these other things that these demons utilize to take advantage of young girls trying to succeed as a kid. You know, one of the people that's never been brought to justice and there was a large, it was either 20, 20 or 60 minutes. I think it was 60 minutes. Uh, was Claude Hadid. You know, openly in the 80s, the operation would run something like this. You would bring in 15 and 16-year-old girls who had no access to their parents other than phone calls, and it wasn't the cell phone age or letters. So, you know, stuff didn't travel that fast. You'd put them in four to six-bedroom dorm-like situations, and you would have them fight it out at dinner parties to, to sleep with guys to get work, period. That's what they were doing. 
and this is how it works. And you want to be on the runway and look at how beautiful Europe is. And don't you want to go to Paris tomorrow and all these things? Don't you want to be a star? Oh, this person's worth that and worth this. And that was utilized not only with Hadid, but, uh, you know, we can talk about the fact that uh, Epstein would present himself as a recruiter for what the L2 brands and Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret, Secret. right. Yeah, absolutely that. You can then uh, go to the M2 modeling agency of Brunel, and they're all very similar models. Uh, and again, Nygaard, where's he coming from? The fashion industry, same thing, right? So, you, you know, as, as long as you can make it about one guy and his massage table and the powerful people around him, and then kind of sort surround that aura of powerful people with the QAnon sense and, you know, the aura of disinfo and not really talk about the networks, and that, hey, by the way, you keep going into Victoria's Secret. You know how many women they've trafficked in through this? You know, they wouldn't want that at all. So I, I think that's more of it. I mean, obviously, they don't want more names. I mean, by this time, I think that people that have had the fairy tales and illusions of things like Dead Man Switch and they're going to release the tapes, uh, that hey, you're, you're fooling yourself. These people don't move in in the way they do until the loose ends begin to be tied up, right? And, and in fact, I would argue that more than likely the FBI and the CIA absolutely knew where Gain, uh, Glenn Maxwell was for that year in between Jeffrey Epstein being arrested and then Jeffrey Epstein no longer being alive. And if there was any type of uh, information or physical uh, blackmail type stuff that they were not in control of. They gained control of it before they moved into the tucked away and got her period. Yeah. No amount of uh, tinfoil could uh, cover her tracks, you know, on her phone. Yeah. The Galena function. Yeah. yeah. You, you guys drove out there with me. You were know, there. Let's, let's get the Mephos out of here. We were on a dirt road. Cell <laughs> service was spotty. Yeah, I, was boys. I was even able to uh, scream in that one little corner by the tucked away because you went 10 or 15 feet in either direction. You had no cell service. Right. So, you know, she was definitely in the woods, in the backwoods and all those things. And the neighbors uh, who were outside, you guys know, uh, you know, we chatted with a couple of them. They had no idea. Yeah, she no was idea. There. They were shocked as anybody. And I believe them. You know, I mean, a lot of people you know, would hear this and be like, Burmese is a plant. How was he there? <laughs> the neighbors had to know. The Jackmans are in on it. We're all in on it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were just as shocked when we found out it was Bradford, New Hampshire. Well, it was serendipity, man. Dude, Jason happened to have plans to be coming up anyways that uh, that week. And then that shit broke and we're like, oh, we know where we're going on Friday. We're going. <laughs> we're going. And then you had that you had that soy reporter from the Guardian come down, and so I, I do believe that, she, that uh, Epstein killed himself, and, and, and this is the end of the story. You started walking back to his sob to dry, or it was a sob, an old sob or something. Yeah, with New York plates. New York plates. Yeah, well, it was funny because those Jackson. guys were in masks too at the time. You know, like, oh, of course they were. Of course, yeah. How about, oh, the guy, how about the guy with all the tattoos at the uh, gate? Did you walk up, Burmese, and you saw that guy? The big, big that was uh, who did that? That wasn't oh. me. I didn't. I didn't walk up. That, to see the tattoos. We didn't. We didn't walk up to the gate. No, no. no, no we heard about it though. Did. Um, well, there, there was also a guy there getting drone footage too. Yeah, see, I watched his drone footage and and I tried to keep in touch with him to try to get it. I should try to make another attempt at that drone footage claim up to jason that here in new hampshire you wouldn't know who your neighbors are i mean i've lived mike and i have lived here uh since the late 90s and you can go 
you know, days, weeks, months without seeing neighbors coming and going and not really have any idea who's next door or what's going on. Mm-hmm. So leave you alone up here too. And Bradford out where we were is way out in bumfuck out in the woods, dirt road with no neighbors. And uh, Gilan's driveway was like pff, half a mile long or something way up into that mountaintop wow. wolf Shanzi that she had up there. Mm-hmm. So and it was and she's going to get a retrial. The, just drove in there in their sports car because they didn't have anything else to do. Like, oh no, we're just we just kind of wanted to see it. Like, okay, yeah, all right, well, there you go. So, do you think she's going to get a retrial, Jason, or what, what's the status with that? What do you Good think? Good question. You know, she filed not for them lying. Um, it, it was a weird filing. I did it. I did a story on it. So, a lot of people thought that because uh, those two people that had had, uh, um, I guess had sexual uh, molestation or something like that happened to them in a younger and they, and they answered wrong. That wasn't the, the filing that they went with. They went with a, another weird thing where the, you know, the jury had been led or something. I don't know that we're going to get a retrial. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. Look, we live in a world where the media went, I mean, full throttle, balls to the wall. Every time you turned it on, you could not get away from Cosby rape. Cosby rape was everywhere. So much Cosby rape, you're raping Cosby. Pudding rape, Cosby rape, Playboy rape, Cosby rape, 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 rape. rape. He gets convicted. Victories every, I mean, teardrops, Me Too, cover stories, you name it. He's not in jail. The yeah, whole was, thing got thrown out. How that much was crazy from that? That you was crazy. Man? He used to be neighbors with Epstein in New York, too. He was on the block. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm not even weighing in on the case um, other than the fact that that guy went through all that. And I'm not saying he isn't guilty of sin, but he had already gone through the legal ramifications to sign non-disclosure and non-prosecution agreements with all these people. Okay. And then we acted like we didn't have a judicial system, right? And that he's guilty. And then as soon as you did have a judicial system, he gets it thrown out. He walks right out of jail. I mean, he walks right out. Meanwhile, the the opposite is true in COVID-1984, where it takes almost two years to get into court over mask mandates in the state. They judge all of them and say they never had the right to... um, Uh, adjudicate masks. They never made it into a law. All these things, these mandates are bullshit. And then they just say appeal and do it anyway. And kids are still masked up in New York. There is no law. There is no valid mandate. They just said appeal. Now, if they threw out, if this judge, state Supreme Court judge from Nassau County throws out all the mask mandates, what the fuck do you think is going to happen once the shot mandates come in there? I mean, seriously, I mean, we're, we're not even there yet in New York. And yeah, we had a tragic decision in the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court, with the federal mandates. And the fact that you could mandate this somehow if you worked in a hospital or health institution. Okay. But the states can still declare that unconstitutional within them. That's why we have a separation of powers. That's why it's so important that... The, the judicial, the executive, and the legislative actually are equal and balanced. You know, checks and balances should exist. More than ever, they do not. And more than ever, we live in a society where it's accepted that our Constitution really is just a piece of paper. 
Okay. And that if you have the right judge on the case, they won't prosecute. Fuck. Look what just happened to Sarah Palin. I don't like Sarah Palin. Oh yeah. New York there. Yeah. yeah, If she wants to sue somebody for defamation and it gets to the, the, the court hearing where you literally had uh, a jury listen to the case, the judge doesn't get to come out and say, no matter what the jury says, we're throwing this out because you don't have standing. You couldn't prove malice. What? That's 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 insane. That is insane. It's insane that Alex Jones isn't going to get a trial for Sandy Hook. Um, whether or not I agree with Alex Jones um, having to be uh, somebody that has to pay monetary damages for defamation. He should at least have his day in court. You know, no matter what you believe about that situation. Is that through Connecticut or is that going is that on the what level is that? I'm not sure where they filed against him on that one. And, and look, you know, I've been a critic of Alex on that. And, and I think a rightful one. But we have a judicial system for a reason. You know, look, we had the Department of Homeland Security stretch out the definition of what terrorism is even further after they've already pretty much created a system through the Patriot Act. And not only the Department of Homeland Security, but the National Security Agency, these fusion centers, these black sites, all of this. By not only talking about narratives and conspiracy theories and disinformation and misinformation, but now malinformation, malinformation. I want to make it extremely clear to people that malinformation only means it is harmful Right. To someone's narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it exactly. does not mean that it is false in any way, shape, or form. So, in other words, I could sit here and tell you that bullets shot into your brain by a revolver from four feet away are bad and might kill you. And the person or state or power or authority who wants all those people dead would say, well, that's malinformation. (laughs) We can't have that on the internet. It's not that the gun doesn't fire the bullet and the bullet doesn't go through your head and put you on the ground into dirt napville. It's that that is now harmful to the narrative of the guy shooting you in the fucking face. Yeah, that's basically what it is. They're doing the same thing with uh, Russia and Ukraine, you know, as if our actions since 2014, uh, sending Victoria Nuland over there and, and uh, you know, the Biden mafia uh, hasn't directly had an impact on, on what's going on. So how, how has it been uh, uh, doing the fourth hour of InfoWars being back with Emmerich? How's that going? That's awesome you know, that you're doing fun. that, man. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, I never know when I'm actually going to do it. It's not like I got a set <laughs> spot. I usually get like a phone call or a text in the morning and I say yes, uh, obviously. You know, uh, the last time I was on there, probably like a couple of weeks ago, I got to do a full hour on the regular broadcast, the Sunday broadcast, um, which is always fun because you get a little bit more of an audience. And I took that opportunity to put out the uh, McGregor rape information. You know, it was actually Super yeah. Bowl Sunday. And, wow. um, you know, and, you know, Jones has never told me what I can and can't talk about on that program. I never get a like, hey, I really like to talk about this story. Or, we don't even talk, honestly. I, I there's a girl, Daria, that works there. Me and do text back and forth every once in a while. Uh, but I appreciate it because, look, I think that Elon Musk gets too much of a pass on InfoWars some of the time. Doesn't, and I'm the yeah. first guy to fucking He's shut a cool. up Elon's ass. He's a cool. <laughs> like, so, you know, I, I, I look, man, I'm willing to talk to anybody and everybody. 
And anytime I can get a, a larger audience or some, some that, you know, I'm not preaching to the choir to is a positive to me. I'll give you another great example. Clay Clark has this reawaken America tour where the featured speaker is Michael Flynn, uh, Eric Trump. In fact, the uh, last weekend when he put up the second time that he'd done it, Eric Trump's up there and Donnie's on the phone and everything's great. What an audience I see. My son's doing great. You know, a lot of Trump worship, some Q and nonsense mixed in, but at the same time, people like it's fun. David Miller, Sherry Tempany, Judy Mikowitz, um, Dr. Richard Bartlett saving lights, Zelenko's there, all these people that are doing positive things, right? And at the same time, I can sit there and I can talk to Clay and they can have their religious stuff and their songs and their prayers. And hey, that's their thing. It's not my thing. And I can talk to him about NASA and now I'm going to be speaking at that thing. So in, um, I think it's in cool. May, I'm going to be on stage, um, not talking about how Trump's going to save us, not talking about how conservatives are the best, but instead talking about a military industrial complex that has been uh, in place well after World War II and that even through Donnie T and all this other stuff, their plan is going as follows. We're going to be going over the future strategic warfare 2025 NASA document and quotes from Dennis Bushnell. Permis has the goods on that, Mike, the document. Well, you got the documents, Jason. You're just going to bring the documents. You're going to bring the super meal vitality with the documents. Info works that guy. Well, that's, that's good. good. We get some gummies, right? <laughs> that's good. You can you can speak there, Jason, and bring some things and some ideas and inject that into there that will go past that QAnon stuff and the Great Awakening and all that. And I think you'll reach a lot of people with that. And um, yeah, that plays that that segues well into what I, I wanted to ask you: what your thoughts are on my homegirl Tulsi speaking at CPAC tonight? If you saw that, no, I didn't see that. It doesn't surprise me. Um, it looks like right now she's a paid contributor on Fox News. I see her there constantly, and that's fine. Um, I've never been a fan of her foreign policy, and uh, that's something I've been, uh, other than the fact that she's not really, you know, uh, a neocon or an interventionist or that type of thing, but still talks into a lot of the mainstream talking points of the power structures and, you know, we have to use torture in this instance. Look, I like Tulsi. Uh, I wish she could go further. It, it, it's tough for me because... You know, I'm no fan of Ted Cruz, but if he's cracking Hillary Clinton and Epstein jokes, more power to him, right? Like, right. you know, I, that that's a positive thing. It doesn't shock me. I would not like to see her revamp her political career if she was going to try to take office as a Republican. Uh, I think we need more common sense Democrats because you're now creating this illusion that somehow the conservatives and the Republicans are going to save us from the Democrats and it falls right into that two-party illusion. You've got a handful of Republicans speaking truth sometimes. Ron Johnson, Rand Paul, Mike Lee occasionally, but it's a handful. It's not, you know, it's not that impressive. So now that Tulsi Gabbard's gone, I don't know that there's a common sense uh, person on the left, right? You know, the, I, I should mention Thomas Massey. He's another Massey's one. good. Massey's good. Pretty good. You know, there are a handful of these people um, that are not beholden to special interests. I would say that she was one of the few, if not like the lone wolf in the Democratic Party that had a little bit of shine and luster to her. And it would be unfortunate, I would say, if uh, she, she actually, you know, became a, a Republican. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't... She 
she's been asked recently by Hannity and everyone else, and she's still a Democrat. And, you know, one of the main points I think she's going to try and drive home is Politico interviewed her leading up to her talk tonight. And she said, I'm going to talk about the need for us to actually treat each other with respect and end this tribalism and divisiveness that's tearing us apart. So that kind of makes sense, you know, from, from how well I know her and, you know, what I've heard her say in public and in private. And, um, I'm hopeful that it's a good speech and she'll get a good, you know, we had tons of conservative people come to our events here in the year that I helped her campaign here in New Hampshire. And I feel like she is one of the only Democrats who could go into that conservative space and get some respect um, from that audience. So well, she also believes in regular biology and has she never does. gone into the, um, you know, the mad policies of identity politics <laughs> in particular. Yeah. She had so, that bill yeah. with Mark Wayne Mullins on her way out of Congress, um, you know, for keeping biological women in sports and, I don't think that was unreasonable at all. <laughs> no, no, sir. And, and to speak to what you said earlier, Jason, about, um, you know, religious, I think you're probably talking about a, a large group of Christians that you're going to be, you know, hanging out with. Um, we actually, uh, Tulsi is a, she's a practicing Hindu, you know, that's her faith and what she believes. And um, we actually took her to a uh, evangelical Christian church around uh, where we live. And she went for Sunday service and met with the, you know, the deacon and, and, the leadership and everything and, and she was received very well and respectfully and and uh and then there's my brother and i who don't believe i, I personally don't believe in any religions so i'm not religious at all um uh, but we were all there under one umbrella and I, I thought that was really cool to see that and hopefully her cpac speech will kind of be in the spirit of that and we'll, we'll see see more of that because if you can get along and, and agree on the big issues it doesn't matter what your what your stripes are you, you know what you call yourself or what you believe you know it's about the bigger picture stuff yeah, I think that's one of the big essential things that we get lost in. Um, if you want to be a free speech person, if you truly want to talk about what this country is about, it is at the bare bones minimum, minimum, allowing your neighbor to worship as they please, as long as it is not infringing on you in any way. Obviously, if we're talking baby sacrifice, you got to step up to the plate and say, hey, we're not into that. But you don't necessarily have to respect the religion, in my opinion, but you do have to respect that someone else believes that and wants to worship that way, period. So if you can't have that bare minimum respect, of allowing somebody else to worship peacefully and as they want. This isn't America. You don't have a First Amendment. There is no real intrinsic human freedom at all because that idea is at the apex of our intrinsic human freedoms. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the speech that we you know don't like and disagree with. That's the speech that needs to be protected the most because it's uh, not popular speech or, or uh, stuff that's okay to say and politically correct. And um, But I think we've seen so much uh, with the censorship and with the, with the, you know, turn towards authoritarianism that there has been a big pushback against that. And more people are being like, wow, we really do need to protect this because this is for all of us. And first they came for Emmerich in 2018. I remember saying, first they came for me, baby Bernus. <laughs> then they're, they're going to come for the leftists, so they're going to come for this group, and eventually it's going to be you they come for. So I think that's that's really been borne out the last four years for sure. I believe that as well. Um, I think that more and more people are seeing that. However, you know, that you have these concentrated areas where people are going to hold on to the very bitter end, and two of those areas are going to be Los Angeles County and New York City. And let me tell you why. 
Number one, the people that live there or were born there or raised in that culture automatically, no matter what, think they are better than you. <laughs> All right. I, I, I hate to put it that way, but I'll give you a small microcosm example. I went to a state school in New York. Okay. SUNY system. Anybody who has been to a state school, whether it be SUNY Oneana or SUNY Albany or any of the big state schools or Brockport or Stony, any of them. If you are not from Long Island or somewhere ample in the city, you're a herb or you're this, or you're from upstate or all these different things, whether they understand it or not, they look down upon you. Oh, he's, he's not as rich. He's not as cool. Now you grow up into that and you literally think you're fucking brilliant. Oh, I live in the big apple, baby. <laughs> We're doing it. You can't be wrong. And those people, in that area are some of the most brainwashed people that they're, they can't handle it, man. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to handle it. They're, they're, they're going to be the ones sticking to their guns when the power goes out from cyber polygon-esque attacks and is blamed on Russia. And they'll blame whoever the TV or, you mm -hmm. know, the, the yeah. newspaper or, or the, the town crier at that point, because there's no fucking power anywhere, tells them that it's going to be, as long as they're wearing a little CNN hat or an NPR voice. Well, Hillary's I, calling for cyber attacks. Did you see that? Hillary, Crooked's calling for cyber. So, I do. They're all you, ha you have to have cyber. I think it's very important to have cyber, Jason. It's very important. Where do you think Vlad P. goes with all this? Great think? question. Um, I think uh, I think NATO fucked around and found out, right? Like, finally. They encroached. They encroached very Eastern. <laughs> Eastern I, it, listen, it's been years and years and years uh, with this type of escalation. Um, Putin has spoken out against this stuff for a long time. Anybody that understands uh, geography and where NATO is and how it is, uh, you know, basically aligned against Russia knew that the, eventually this could pop off, right? If anybody has, you know, seen my recent stuff, even the last couple months, it hasn't been Russia heavy. Why? Because I'm not in that area, number one. You know, I, I have an even more uh, marginalized view of what's going on there geopolitically. Because, again, I'm, I'm not close to it. I don't understand the culture. I don't understand a lot of the history. But what I do understand um, is not only Putin's rise to power, how he comes out of the old KGB, FSB mentality, how he's, you know, tried to allow other leaders, uh, Dimitri amongst them, to kind of get out there and be like the heads of parliament, but always in the background. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, that guy's a pretty smart and powerful guy. To think that he doesn't answer to some people, I think is, is pretty ignorant. I would say there's some people he answers to as well. And... There's nothing more that the predator class right now would like is to reinvigorate the idea of nation states up against one another and alliances in that matter. When in reality, the real alliances of what is going on are outside of nation states. They are controlling nation states. You know, when Klaus tells you that half the people in Trudeau's cabinet and parliament are, you know, World Economic Forum leaders, that's an extension of that cabal that reaches across nation states. When you talk about eco-health and you talk about 
the North Carolina facilities and the Wuhan facilities and them all working together. That's outside of nation states. Even NASA comically was asked, hey, what's going on with the ISS up there? Because, you know, you have Russians, Americans, and even the Chinese up there. That should let you know something, that that's going to be unbothered. And apparently, no matter what we have for weapons in space, we're not going to talk about those either. Maybe something does pop off. I mean, literally last night, some of the headlines were discussing unconventional warfare by means of remote warfare. Now, that's actually a great fear of mine. Because if the uh, United States were to get involved on this border issue, and instead of sending troops, they sent troops into regions where they were going to remotely control swarms of drones. Spot the DARPA dog. Or the DARPA dog. (laughs) Well, that would begin a new type of warfare that I don't think any of us are ready for. And and I'm not saying that that warfare hasn't existed on a sub-level. But when we're talking about Ukraine with 40 million people, when you're talking about, um, you know, the rest of the Soviet Union, and then you're talking about NATO, it's a whole new ball game, folks. Yeah, exactly. And, and it should be, you know, Putin's actions, of course, should be denounced. No one here is support of any war, uh, any countries invading any countries. But we have to at least be honest about what we're talking about here, because we, we also, uh, people should have also denounced um, when we helped install, um, you know, a puppet leader in the Ukraine after 2014, and we actual Nazis were in there uh, murdering people. Uh, since that time, some 14,000 people have died in Ukraine as a result of those actions um, of us meddling. And also all of our, you know, actions with Yemen, Syria, Iraq, you know, all these countries, that should also be denounced too. So I think it's a little bit... Libya, all of it, bro. It's very very disingenuous to see all these people suddenly now so upset about war or about this particular war. Yes, of course we should be denouncing it, but we should also be speaking truthfully um, about America's role, you know, for the last, I mean, shit, let's be honest, 100 plus years really doing stuff like this. And this this thing with Putin, uh, you know, doing this action didn't happen in a vacuum. And that's what I think most people don't realize. So. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've been pointing to people um, that a lot of people don't have memory of, especially that are younger than me and even my age, is the Kosovo and Bosnian situation. I point to them that, you know, you had a united front against a supposed uh, dictator, Slovodan Milosevic, and he was supposedly at mass graves and was killing all these people and responsible for genocide. Well, when they had the trials and the hearings, he ended up poisoned to death and dead in, in jail. And I believe it was in 2016 or 17, completely exonerated of any war crimes by an international tribunal that would have lo- loved to do nothing more than hang him up and call him a war criminal. But there was no evidence of it. And one of the things that Putin discussed was the constant NATO shelling of that nation in the past. And that's something that is just never discussed by Western media and absolutely not acknowledged and should give people some reservations on what to believe now and some hindsight about how these operations actually take place. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's all again goes back to control of the narratives and um, being able to pierce those narratives. So whether it be foreign policy or medical health or um, just the memory holding of our own American history, I think it's important for everybody to look at different sources. And that's why we love having you on, Jason, because you, you know your program um, has a lot of really great information, and you just go into the articles and read them, and you know give your commentary and and, and feedback on it. And you know I think that's a very valuable resource. Well, thank so. you, bro. I'm trying to do it big and we're trying to do it as uncensored as possible. So if your audience would be kind enough and come over to Rockfin, make that free account. Um, if you do have a premium membership, that means you get everybody's premium stuff. And we're also over on the Podbean, the infowarrior.podbean.com. Uh, so you can get a lot of this great stuff in uh, audio format. And I may even be putting this, this little uh, number up in video format exclusively to Podbean. That's one of the coolest things about this is although this goes out on the RSS feeds like Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, with the premium account, they also allow video casts. Yeah. Podbean's great. We're on there too. I'm yeah. a Podbeaner. <laughs> so any, uh, any plans, Jason, of any traveling coming up at all? Um, I mean, I'm um, going to be in DC. So rally. yeah, this, if this truck rally goes to DC, I'm, I'm very much considering going down there. That's why I was wondering if that would be some kind of an overlap. I um, think it will be. It I think it's around the same time. It is yeah. It's supposed to be about March 10th, right? Is when everybody. Oh, is it the 10th? Is it? I, I mean, that's, that's what I thought it was. I'm not quite sure. Cause I'd have to drive everywhere. I also, right. um, have been picking up more slack with the kids. Like I said, I'm coaching volleyball. Uh, you know, <laughs> got two uh, nieces, eleven and twelve. But um, I'm, it's definitely on my mind. I'm never saying never. The other thing is, crypto is really low right now. Uh, GoFundMe likes to cut accounts, and I've got to find some other kind of a crowdfunding mechanism. Stripe is like the biggest pain in the ass to get going with. I don't know if you've tried to make a Stripe account yet, but everybody's no. using it, and they denied my first account. And then I went to get a business account because I didn't have a website. Now they're holding all my payments. So maybe I create the website. Maybe I get that going. Maybe I can find a way. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'll keep you posted. I'm going to be down in D.C. Uh, from the 3rd to the 6th of March. So, All right. Gentlemen, yeah. pleasure as always. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, guys. Later on. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank Thank yeah, you for friend. watching. Yeah, thank you for watching, everybody. Uh, we hope everyone has a lovely weekend. And uh, as Berna says, we love you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.